It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. NFL podcast with Matt and Bill Williamson. Matt, week three has, was really, I mean, it was emotional, it was entertaining, there's so much going on, and, but what I kind of, what, what stands out to me amongst the other obvious things is that there's a lot of parity in this league. There's two undefeated teams, Atlanta and Kansas City, two after three weeks. There's only five endless teams. Everybody's in this thing, isn't it? Maybe, <laughs> you know, I, this was one of the strangest weekends of football that I can remember. I mean, even starting with the Thursday game. I mean, nobody saw Rams-Niners being, you know, uh, a huge shootout. You know, I mean, it just – nothing went to script. And I'm hesitant to overreact to it. You know, I, I, I think there's a couple things at play here. And I think whenever we look back two months from now, we'll look at week three and say, that was an anomaly. That was a weird week of football. And there's a couple things that happened league-wide. Obviously, the whole Trump, um, should I stand, should I kneel, all that craziness. I mean, it had to be a distraction for every team in some way, shape, or form. Um, there was a inordinate, inordinate amount of road dogs this week, you know, road underdogs. It was really, really hot across the country still, even though it was late September. And I, I feel like, you know, like I watched that Steelers-Bears game intently, of course, and I felt like the Bears need this game more than the Steelers. The Jets need this game more than the Dolphins. Like that if if you go to 0-3, your season's basically over. That there was already some bad teams with their backs against the wall that you know went, went all out and they got the win. I don't know. I, I don't want to overreact and say, maybe the Jets aren't so bad. Or, you know, I mean, or, boy, the Bills might be for real. I'm not ready to do that yet, but maybe I'm just being stubborn. Yeah. My point is that I just don't think there's any – I think they're all clumped together. And not not just because of last week. I don't expect the Jets to be any good at all. And you know the yeah. NFL the NFL happens a lot. But I think I don't know. I mean, the, the Redskins beat the hell out of Raiders. They could probably do it again. I think the Raiders are are more talented. The Raiders are way more healthier. And the Redskins didn't let the Raiders in the game for one moment. I just think there's a lot of teams. The fact that there's only two undefeated teams in the league right now, I think that's pretty amazing. Yeah, I do too. You know, and we talked a lot in the preseason about how good Pittsburgh, Seattle, especially New England is going to be. And I certainly thought 
one or three of those teams would be three and zero by now, <laughs> you know. And Seattle's one and two, and uh, Seattle just got beat by the Bears, and New England barely got away from Houston. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I also think, and this is making excuses, of course, but I feel like the first month of the season, more than ever is an extension of the preseason still, too. You know, that so many players didn't play much in the preseason, that a lot of teams, a lot of quarterbacks are getting their feet under them. You know, Flacco didn't play a snap in the preseason. Cam Newton threw two passes. You know, there's a lot of those instances. And those guys are struggling, you know. (laughs) I mean, but uh, it was certainly an odd week. And starting with that first game, I mean, speaking of Flacco, I mean, who saw the Jags winning by a million in that game? Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was wild, and we yeah we knew something was coming. You mentioned a couple of teams I want to talk about right away: Seattle and Pittsburgh. I think Seattle's problems may not be temporary. That that might they might be a little uneven and and have some issues throughout the year. Your thoughts on that? They might. You know, I mean, anyone that listens to this or follows me knows that I was smitten with the Seahawks this year, and. Of course, anyone that was down on the Seahawks said, but but they're aligned so bad. And I always, my rebuttal was, yeah, but it always is. And they always end up winning 12 games or, you know, but they can't run the ball at all. And maybe I, I am coming to the conclusion that Tennessee might be better than I think they were too. But Seattle is just asking so much of Russell Wilson. And a lot of that game, he was able to succeed, you know, and he played great. But you can't win like that. I mean, just no running game. Protection is still poor. The defense got ran all over, and the defense hasn't looked great. But that, I think, will correct itself. I think the defense still is great. Yeah. The defense is cranky, too. You know, they're very emotional. (laughs) You know, and I just don't know if they – sometimes I think it gets in their way. And and they may be getting fed up. And – I don't know. I just don't like the vibes out of out of that place. I I, I really don't. Um, another place that I'm really interested in, and maybe I'm a wimp, and maybe I just want to give everybody a break, including myself. But I don't want to talk a lot about the Trump stuff because, frankly, it just makes me sad. I just think it's yeah. ridiculous, you know. Um, I mean, I'm I just turned 50 years old, and God. 25 when i was 25 everything was seemed to be cool i knew there were issues but i just think it's ridiculous and i and may, maybe i'm talking too much about it but if i think that there's a team that has been most affected by this these protests and perhaps moving forward it's the steelers i mean golly they're they were in total damage control yesterday and, and, and against each other. It seems like that was very a volatile situation, for lack of a better word, you know, maybe emotional situation. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I didn't think that until yesterday, you know, but, yeah. I mean, the way I initially took it, and, you know, I do a lot of Steelers Nation radio and I talk to people were, I thought Tomlin handled it very, very well, that this is not a statement at all. This is just us being unified and doing our own thing behind closed doors. We are not protesting the flag. Some people in our locker room will put their hands on their heart. Some will put some will kneel, but we don't want to be divided and we all want to be doing the same thing. And 
a source told me that Villanueva, who is an army ranger, I mean, he had three terms in Afghanistan, that he was exempt from that, that we're all going to make it. We have a, we have a meeting on Friday night, and we're all going to decide what we do. The team decided to stay in the locker room, and Big Al, you can do whatever you want. You know, I mean, we, we get it. Your situation's different than ours. And I was under the impression that Villanueva basically said, hey, I love you guys. You're my team. But as much as I love you, I love my country more, and I put a lot on the line for them. I'm going to look at the flag with my hand on my heart in the, in the, uh, the doorway. With, and meanwhile, the guys were like 10 feet behind him while he did it. It wasn't like he was in, you know, at, at midfield. But then another source told me that he went rogue, you know, that there he did not have an exemption, you know, that he just did this on his own. But I still look at it and think, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, and I think most players feel that way, that, dude, you served in Afghanistan, you under, you know, you're very much a, a military guy and, you know, you've been shot at and you maybe killed people, I don't know. And... Do you think they really hold that against him that, boy, you're not with the team? You know, I mean, it's bigger things out there than football. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I know. And it's just the fact that he spoke yesterday, Ben, ben Robinsberger and, and Hayward spoke yesterday. I mean, there, this obviously is affecting them. And, and I'm going to write a column that, you know, it was a perfect time to play the Baltimore Ravens because they, they haven't played. The Steelers haven't looked good anyway. No. They, weren't, they didn't look that good in their first two wins, and they looked obviously bad at losing to a, a Western Chicago team. So maybe this brings together. Maybe this is a kind of a season-defining week for the Steelers. If you can go at your rival and, and beat the Ravens, I think all is well. You know, rally the troops, no pun intended, no, no disrespect mm-hmm. intended. And and the, but if they lose it, God, things can get a little tighter around there. Yeah, and there's a bunch of you know uh, there's a bunch of Steeler fans taking it that I'm not gonna be a Steeler fan anymore because the whole team disrespect the flag. And I honestly don't think that's at all what their intentions were. They were just being a unified group behind closed doors and trying to deflect it, and it went the opposite direction. Um, but you're right. You know the Ravens are the hated rival and. They're both two and one, which is hard to believe almost. And boy, they got smoked by Jacksonville. <laughs> yeah. Know? And and if you go into Baltimore and you wipe the floor with them, I'm sure all's well. And yeah. who knows? I mean, if if you beat the Bears, maybe all is well. You know? I mean, I, I don't know. Oh yeah, for sure. It just it seems, and I don't know. I don't know. I'm not in these guys' heads, and I I haven't put myself on the line like they have to open, you know, to all this scrutiny, but. The way the reaction was yesterday, it was clear that that affected them. Oh, I think it affected teams all around the league. You know, I mean, I bet that there were many players whose not top priority, but the top thing on their mind that day was all the issues. And I'm sure you're in the same boat as me. I don't mean to speak for you, but you just mentioned you're a 50-year-old white dude, and I'm a 44-year-old white dude. You know, these, these issues haven't affected us like they do them, you know? I mean, um, and it's different if you're a man of color and 22 years old with a big platform. Maybe I'd be doing the same thing. I haven't had to go through those things. But, you know, as an analyst, I absolutely think it contributed to some of the shocks yesterday. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, yeah, really interesting situation. Want to move it over to football a little bit. Um, and the Raiders, and the Raiders did a big protest too, and and they got slaughtered. I mean, what was your thoughts about them? And I, I want to talk about a particular Raider, um, Amari Cooper. I did, I did a story for FanRag yesterday, and I'm like, you know, this guy's off to a slow start. And the thing about Amari Cooper in his first two years was that he started fast. And then he faded in the second half of both seasons. But this year, he's not. He's starting slow. And then I'm like, wait a second. You're missing the big picture here, Bill. I went over his last 12 games, 12 consecutive games, and this is his stats. 43 catches, 477 yards, and four touchdowns. That's not a number one receiver. That's an average number two receiver. Yeah, and I can't argue with that. And he's been up and down, and drops are certainly a problem, and they always Leading have the been. Drops. Leading the league in drops. Leading the league in drops, yeah. And, and just, you know, I do some fantasy stuff too, and he was one of my guys of like, do not draft for where he's going in the draft because, you know, he doesn't, they don't throw to him in the red zone. I mean, that's like Crabtree's area. And I think that kind of speaks volumes from a, you know, real NFL perspective is do they trust him like a number one? I think the answer is probably no. There's tons of talent there, and no one's saying he's not a good player. But I think we right. all expect him to be a top five, top ten wide receiver. And he's not consistent enough to be called that now. Well, I mean, he was drafted number four overall. He has produced in the NFL. He has made plays. Uh, a lot of them. And, you know, in a I mean, good situation. Yeah, he has 2,000-yard seasons in his first two years. And he's just turned 23 in June. So he's very young. I mean, he started playing in the NFL when he was three months after turning 21. So he has time and he has made plays. But 12 games in a row and continued drops, there's no denying that this guy, who I think has a huge reputation, is a major slump. Yeah, I can't argue that. And. I mean, I, I, I tend to, like I said, I mean, I think week three was a bit of an anomaly across the league. And I do think if the Raiders played the Redskins 10 times, they probably win six or seven of them, even though they got killed in that game. So I'm not, you know, and their receivers did nothing in that game. I mean, nobody. I mean, that was unbelievable that Josh Norman didn't have, didn't have to do a thing. Um is it time to worry about the Raiders? I don't know. Is it time to worry about Cooper? Maybe, but again, the the, expert, the bar is so high for him. You know, we expect him to be a great one, a Pro Bowler every year. Maybe he just isn't quite that, and maybe he will be. Like I said, he's very, very young. Yeah, that's a good yeah. point. I mean, it's worth talking about. What? I mean, it's a good point. It's worth talking about. I mean, his production is very down. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was surprised it was that ugly. I, re- I really was, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know about being worried about the Raiders. I, I think they're going to be fine. Uh, you know, I, I think that Denver-Oakland game is going to be really interesting this week. Um, you know, and one team's going to be in a good spot and one's going to be in a tight spot after it because they both – you can argue that they both looked ahead, you know, for, to that game because the Broncos weren't very good in Buffalo. Um, what about the Jaguars? I mean, over the season, pound Houston on the road. Next week at home, get pounded by Tennessee. The next week in London, just, you know, kill 
Baltimore. They've been three blowouts, and, you know, they won two of them. Weird team, right? Weird team. And I think all of us expected them to have a very good defense. And I believe it's even better than that, that it might be the best defense in the league, that it's a great defense. So I'm on board there. Um, I don't think Bortles ever plays that well again this year, <laughs> you know, and he was good. Um, a couple things to take away that aren't Jacksonville related, but it's their opponents is I think Baltimore's in big trouble. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't know that that was an anomaly. I think they're now a bad football team. And I think Tennessee who ran all over Jacksonville and then ran all over Seattle might do that to everybody, you know? So we might look back and say, boy, Jacksonville had a rough week too. But, boy, Tennessee did that to everybody. You know, I mean, they just kind of have that look about them right now. But I think Jacksonville's in contention, but they have to play their formula. I mean, I do think their defense is top-notch. I think Fournette is a stud. and But I just think that the Bortles-Hearns-Lee passing game is going to hold them back. Yeah. But I mean, if they can if they can play great defense and run the ball. That's going to keep them in some games, and it's going to make them win some games. Yes, and I think that's what Tom Coughlin has in mind from day one. You know, and yeah. in the meantime, we'll must you know we'll hide our quarterback and hopefully maybe find another and keep this formula up. And whenever we get a first round pick and insert him in the lineup, he will be able to, um, you know, he won't be in over his head. He won't be asked to do too much. So, I mean, I like the formula from given what they have, and I think Fournette's, you know, the foundation. It's just it's a tough way to win this league. Right. I want to talk about a couple quarterbacks now, and guys that you like Cooper. There's, there's, there's something. Um, Cam Newton. Should we be worried about the 2015 NFL MVP? Is it the injury? Is it the rushing injury? Is it the offensive line? What's going on? I'm worried. I mean, he doesn't look at all the same to me. I mean, he looks like he's really struggling. Um, never been the most accurate guy to begin with, but worse than ever, timing's poor. Isn't making a lot of plays with his feet. You know, I know they're not installing a new defense or new offense, but they're trying to change how they play on offense a little bit. You know, feature McCaffrey more short, easy throws. Don't let Cam get beat up. And I don't think he's adjusting well to that either. Uh, um, I have very little good thing. I have very few good things to say about him so far, but he's so talented that, I mean, this week he may throw for 400 and run for 80 and we all think he's a star again, you know I mean? But he's not playing well. If all you knew about him was they showed you the first, the three tapes from this year, would you and that's all you knew? Would you say this is a bad quarterback? I would say that's not an NFL starting quarterback. See, I just don't get it. How hard? I mean, guys. I don't. You know what I mean? I'm thinking of Kaepernick and I'm thinking of RG three, but even even more like Andrew Luck had a slump. You know, guys slump. They, sometimes it just doesn't last for a while with these guys. You know what I mean? I don't know if I'm saying it correctly. But sometimes guys have early success, and then they and then they take a dive. Yeah, I think there's some truth to that. Um, I think you know, and being with a team, I know. I mean, everyone kind of knows us to some degree, but being with a team, I really noticed it more too. 
I do think a lot of times, and I'm not even implying this is the case, but it certainly could be with Cam, that some of these guys are playing with bad injuries, you know, and they, and they right. just go do it anyways. Like, I know Russell Wilson last year was playing with a really bad knee that right. probably should have sidelined him, but he played anyways. And, you know, there's the theory that if you're on the field, I'm going to judge what you do in the, between the white lines. But And no one's 100% in week 12. And I get all those cliches, and that's all true. But there's a lot of time you look at these guys and be like, I can't believe he's walking on the field right now. Right. Right. And maybe that's the case because, I mean, he, he's yeah. coming off an injury. Right, and it very well could be. Or he doesn't trust it yet. Or, you know, I mean, a lot of the time when somebody just dem- there's demise, injuries have a lot to do with it. It's just a nasty game. Right. Yeah. Another quarterback I want to talk about is uh, – Philip Rivers, his last 16 games have not been good. 25 interceptions, under 60% completion, and he's going to be 36 this year. Are we uh, is he is he hitting the wall? Is he hitting the end? So many interceptions. I mean, over over this year and last year, uh, I've been the biggest Rivers supporter going yeah. through his career. Often saying, you know, he's the most underrated quarterback of this generation. He's really hard to defend right now, though. I mean, he's struggling. And I know this isn't what you asked me, and it comes back to my hometown, but so is Ben, so is Eli. Yeah. You know, these three were all drafted together. And I didn't used to, you know, a year ago I was like, Eli's done. Now I'm looking at Rivers going, Rivers might be done. And now I'm looking at Ben going, he's not the same. You know, like, these guys are all aging within a year or so of each other drastically and maybe i'm wrong you know maybe week eight ben looks or great 13 and... years in too right you know, right I, I mean that's I... just because peyton played forever and brady's still going doesn't mean that you know <laughs> that you're you're bailing out after 13 years you know like he came to an end quickly i mean that's a long great career for these guys yeah yeah i mean maybe we're just, human beings maybe we're just not ready for it that and you know yeah and all of them are struggling yeah yeah, I mean, Ben, you know, Ben, I, I know he has, and you know this more than I do, but the, the whole reputation of being a drama queen, but, you know, he did drag it out last off season. the whole maybe I'll retire. And if he has a crappy year this year, maybe he does retire. Oh, I, mean, I think that's a very good guy, is, is possible? I mean, everyone does think he's a drama queen, and he loves the spotlight, and every little injury he milks to no end. Everyone thinks that. And I think he does, I mean, to some degree, and I think he's high on himself like most quarterbacks are. But I also think that he has taken a beating. And you watch practice, and he has ice everywhere. And, you know, like, he looks like he's being held together with duct tape. And you watch him play, he doesn't make plays with his legs. And when he does scramble, he looks like me running now. You know, like he's just big and lumbering and not quick twitch at all. Even just moving around the pocket, he doesn't move well. And he has two years and I think 38 or $36 million left on his contract. And right. I have little doubt that that's the absolute longest he'll play. You know, I mean, I don't know him. He's not telling me anything. Don't get me wrong. But right. um, and he, maybe this is the last one. I mean, he's not playing well. And if he doesn't throughout the year and he's, he looks himself in the mirror and says, I'm not the player I used to be. Maybe he hangs it up. 
He's got a couple. Yeah, because I mean, all the issues that you just talked about, people don't get better at 36, 37 years old. You don't need right. less ice seven than you do at 36, or and you don't Next get year's faster. Not gonna be better. Yeah, I mean, so I don't know. I think, I think we may be seeing the end with these guys. It, it goes back to what we've talked about so much is that this quarterback acquisition period of 2018 is going to be so fascinating because there's going to be more teams in the mix for these guys than we than we even imagined before. Yeah, and you can throw Arizona in there and maybe the Saints and, you know, some of these guys that have been really good quarterbacks that have hit, the, you know, are near the end at the best. Um, yeah. Real quick, just backing on those guys. So like River, let's think of their style of play. I mean, Rivers isn't mobile, but he was always known for – deep downfield passing, wait in the pocket to the very last instant, get a helmet in the mouth and deliver the football. Ben was the master of extending plays and shrugging Terrell Suggs off and having people hanging off him. And, you know, until Haley got here, extending plays and taking tons of hits and fighting through injuries and missing two or three games a year. And Eli doesn't have those reputations, but that dude hasn't missed a game since the eighth grade picnic. Right. Yeah. And and Palmer really too. Palmer's a stand in the pocket, deliver it, take the big hit, and you know, make a big throw. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, when when Paulson when Carson Palmer retires, I think we'd all say hell of a career, right? No doubt. No doubt. And they just said last night on the the telecast that he's what the fourth um, quarterback in history to throw a hundred tight or a hundred touchdowns for two different teams. That's, that's a pretty impressive accomplishment. You know, it's Kurt Warner, yeah. it's Fran Tarkington and Peyton Manning. And it's yeah. like, yeah, I mean, you reinvent yourself and you know, there was a, you know, they was with the Raiders in between there and um, I don't think he's a hall of famer, but I think he'll be on the yeah. ballot. Do you remember, do you remember the old Cincinnati quarterback, Ken Anderson? Yes. And I know some people around here, that actually vote for the Hall of Fame that think that he should be in. Yeah, and that's kind of, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't remember Ken Anderson well enough to know about he compared, you know, physically to Carson Palmer, but that's kind of a career is that, you know, he had a really good long career. He's not a Hall of Famer, but, hey, I remember him as a, as a pretty special player, you know, in, in the early days of my football watching. Yeah, and what's cool about him is do you remember who his offense coordinator was? Bill Walsh. He was Montana before Montana. He was really yeah. the first West Coast quarterback. So he wasn't yeah. similar to Palmer in in the way he played the game, but he was very cerebral. Get it out now, and you know he didn't have Jerry Rice. They didn't win four Super Bowls, <laughs> you know, but he was right. really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the first NFL game I ever went to, my uncle took me. To a game, it was the Raiders Bengals, like in '74 or '75, and it was like the coolest thing ever. Yeah, and I right. think we we're in the black hole. We were behind the. I think we were in the black hole, the exact area right behind the uh, the goalpost, and it was great, you know. And so, yeah, it's cool stuff. But anyways, um, let's get back to today's football. <laughs> um, you have the Vikings. Gotta give them some credit, right? That was a good Keep win. Them. I mean, Case Keenum played really well. And yeah. I look at Tampa and say, I don't know what you guys are now. You know, I was ready to 
jump on board and after they crushed the Bears. And the Bears, meanwhile, they played the Falcons and the Steelers both to the wire, got one win, the other one they didn't, and then they get blown out by Tampa in between. And so you look at Tampa and think, wow, this might be a really good team. You know, we all watched Hard Knocks. We all like Jameis. They might be ready to be a real contrib- you know, real contender. And then, you know, the team that Pittsburgh just beat badly beats up on them pretty well with Keith Keenum. So it goes back to the original point is I don't know anything. You know, like, you, you, you know, you try to figure out, well, this team beat this team and this team beat, you know, it doesn't add up at all. But I've been very high on the Vikings since day one. They run the ball well. Diggs is turning into a star. The defense is really good. So if they can weather this storm for two or three games without Bradford and then he comes back, they're going to be in it. Yeah. Yeah, but this – Bradford worries me. I mean, this injury thing, it's, he's all, he's long had injuries. And it's like yeah, we're talking yeah. about, you know, Big Ben, he's not – you're not going to get – these things aren't going to get better as you get older. It just seems like Bradford's always going to have to deal with the potential for injuries. I know every quarterback does, but, you know, he just seems to hit him a little bit more. Yeah, I can't argue that. I mean, the, the evidence speaks for itself, of course. And, I mean, it was his second and third year in the league. He missed the whole seasons with a blown-out knees. You know, I mean, yeah. it's this – does that kind of stuff linger? And, I mean, I, I don't know. Is he more injury-prone than the average dude? Maybe. I don't know. I'm not sure if I even believe in injury-prone. Yeah, I don't know if I do either, but, it, yeah. It's just... But your point's strong. Well, yeah. I, but, yeah, I do like the Vikings. And, hey, you know, you, you, you beat yourself up for the Tampa Bay. I was the guy who took Tampa Bay to the Super Bowl. So... <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and I'm not ready to throw that away, and I can't. I, I said it, so I'm not going to... You know, i got to stick with it. But... But that's you know, a perfect example, great... Bill. You know, like, we did all this analyzation since the Super Bowl of all these teams without watching any new football. And we know that we're not going to get these things perfect, and we don't have crystal balls. But we know a thing or two about a thing or two of football. And I tend to think that I'm going to trust those six months of analysis more than a game in week three. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's just, it's a, but they're going to, you know what? There's going to be more week threes. Week nine may be the same way. Week 13 mm-hmm. may be the same way. You know what I mean? It's just, and the Bucks, may end up being, the Bucks may end up being four and 12 and we're just flat out wrong. I mean, that could happen too. I mean, yeah. happens every year with a team or two. There is a certain randomness to the National Football League, the, the, the 60 minutes between two teams. There is randomness involved. And, For sure. Um, you know, and yeah, so you, 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 who knows? Here's a team that I'm kind of like. Real quick, Bill, just along the, those points, I mean, I always go back to this too, that there's only 16 games. So we overreact so much to a game. I mean, okay. if the Cubs get beat 18 to 1 on a, some random Tuesday night, half the world doesn't yeah. even notice. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, they had a bad day and they come back and win next week. You know, like, right. if, if the Steelers lose to Chicago, now the world's falling. Yeah, and, and you know who I feel bad for it is the fans because all they are is this raw emotion. So, like, you know, the Raiders go 2-0 and and they beat the hell out of the Jets and they score 71 points. Well, all the fan knows, and I'm not 
busting on the fan because it's just all emotion is that we're the greatest offense ever and we're going to go 16 and 0 and then right. after what happened against the, the Redskins we suck you know right. Downey right. has to go Norton has to go it's such an emotional roller coaster for fans and that's all 32 of them absolutely and that makes it great in a way you know i mean Every game means a ton, and we're all glued to every play, and every Sunday is a big deal and rewrites itself. You know, where baseball, if you go on vacation for a week, like, ah, I had the Bucks do while I was gone. Nah, they, they went two and four. Who cares? You know, like, you know, it's and even basketball and hockey, or, you know, if you miss a few games as a fan, you don't you don't lose a whole lot. You know, you get right back on, on, on the horse. Right. Yeah. What do you think about the Lions? I kind of – Kind of, they kind of impressed me. I kind of think they're not going to go away. I know they took a lot, a, a tough loss. Tough loss, but it maybe that's the best team in the league that they took to the wire, or yeah. certainly one of them. You know, they're undefeated. They were in Super Bowl last year. Um, I actually just turned in an article about them, asking, you know, the the assignment was to the Lions for real. Are they a serious contender? And I said, the offense is, you know, Stafford is i'm a huge believer he gets better every time i watch him um the offense in general is quite good you know they have a lot of weapons they don't have a number one receiver but they have a lot and they run the ball a little better lines a little better stafford makes it all go they're well coached but the defense last year to me was in the conversation for the worst in the league and I think it's a little better. You know, Ansa's healthy and Slay and Davis was a nice first-round addition. But I still have major concerns over there. And last year they caused 16 turnovers. I mean, that's awful. I mean, that's hard to do. This Mm -hmm. year I think they've caused nine in three games. So if they're going to continue to make big plays and especially cause turnovers – because they're not they're a real execution based defense. It's a lot of too high safety, you know what you're getting, bend but don't break. But if you can get to your hands on the ball a couple times a game, they're real hard to beat. But they're not going to cause nine turnovers every 3 weeks. <laughs> you know, I mean like right. that's not going to keep up. Right. Right. But you think they can, I mean I think the NFC North could be pretty interesting. I mean, you know, I'm yeah. I'm not totally sold on the Packers, but I'm totally sold on their quarterback and that's good enough. And we talked about the Vikings, and, and and the Lions may hang in there. It could be a pretty fun race. Yeah, it could. And so I have changed my tune on them a little bit. You know, like whenever yeah. we did our NFC North preview, right. I was really high on the Vikings, and I may have picked them to win the division. Of course, I was not souring on the Packers, but I thought the Lions were like a six-win team, where now yeah. I could see them winning the North. Yeah, yeah, perhaps. Yeah. I can see the Rams winning the West, by the way. Yeah, that's crazy, but I agree with you. That could happen. I'm not, I'm I'm not, not jumping off the Seahawks bandwagon yet. I'm not jumping off the Seahawks bandwagon yet. But it but might I, be a nine. Yeah. Yeah, they're good. I mean, like, I don't think they're a fluke. I think they're a good football team, a respectable football team. Yeah. Like, we talked about earlier in the show. Seattle worries me. Arizona don't have it. And the 49ers are not going to win a lot of games. And But the Rams may be – the Rams are the team that has the chance to get better in that division of those four teams. I think they have the most potential for improvement. You know, and that might be enough. 
True or false, the Rams have the best offense in the NFC West. Ain't that even funny even to ask that? I know, but I think it's true. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have a better option. I mean, I would have thought Seattle's would be, or maybe Arizona's with David Johnson, but they certainly are not playing as well as the Rams' offense are this year. Yeah, man, what a great, uh, what a great gift Larry Fitzgerald gave us yesterday, right? I know we both go back with him, me in Minnesota, when he was a 16-year-old ball boy, and you at Pitt, and this guy, he, I don't know if he gets enough credit for being all-time great, and I know that you put a couple of tweets out there last night about just how great he is, but just special, right? Yeah, he really, really played well, and it's amazing he doesn't age. You know, he's such a student of the game, and the catch he made was jaw-dropping, and uh, I mean, he and the tweet I, I put out, and I don't know if you agree with me or not, but if we're having an all-time, my tweet was, if we're having an all-time wide receiver draft, and I have the third pick, and Rice and Moss are off the board, I'm taking Larry or Calvin Johnson. I might take Larry before Moss, and maybe because wow. maybe it's personal because I know them both. You know, mm-hmm. I, I knew them both, and Larry did not drive me nearly as crazy as as Randy Moss. <laughs> Right, and that's why To isn't in that conversation for me too. Because I think Tos are yeah, equal. but see, I'm not. I, I don't. I wouldn't play that game if I, if I was a Hall of Fame voter. I would vote To, and I would vote Randy Moss right away. But as far as yes, starting, that wasn't team, what I. You're right, but for building my team, and I got to deal with the guy every day. I went Larry before I went To. Yeah, because Larry. I mean, that's a um, that's a a diva position. It was back in the day. It is. It is now, and and Larry is just such a lunch pail guy, and it's one of his greatest um, skills is that he's just a team guy, a quality guy, and you know what I mean? He never makes a peep. Right, and you know, like I said, I knew him his entire pit career. You know, I was there the year before he arrived, so I helped recruit him, and the two years he was there, if you remember, he only did two years. He was the first one to come out after two years of college. Yeah. He never went out. He didn't go party. I mean, every college kid goes out, let alone football players. He stayed in his room. And it wasn't because he didn't want to or he was antisocial. He just didn't want to screw up his path to the NFL. Yeah, he, he, was, always, he was always just a really uh, down-to-earth guy. Um, I first met him when he was 16. And my favorite Larry Fitzgerald story, and I may have told you this one, uh, he was going into his junior year of – of high school and it was a summer and he is at the jugs machine after a practice a Vikings NFL practice with an undrafted free agent. And Larry is tutoring the guy at the jugs machine and Larry is 16 <laughs> years old and this guy's in the NFL. That's great. My favorite one. Well, I feel blessed because I, I got to watch every one of his practices, you know, like his games were awesome. His practices were better. You know, I mean, every day he got to go walk out back and, you know, he's beating up on your senior corner who's an all-Big East guy or something, you know. But I hadn't seen Larry for 10 years. You know, he went to the pros. I moved on. I'd been working at ESPN. And you know how it was at ESPN. You'd go up there and Barry Sanders would walk past. Or, you know, they have the car wash where athletes come in for the week. And I just happened to be up there. I'd only go up like three or four times a year. And I'm recording the Football Today podcast, and he walks by because he happened to be up there, 
and bursts in on live radio as we're in the middle of the podcast, gives me this huge hug, couldn't believe we saw each other. It was just total happenstance. And then I have pictures of him poking me in the belly like, man, you put on a lot of weight in the last 10 years. <laughs> I mean, just picking on me like buddies. I mean, it's totally like I saw one of my college friends. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's a uh, and and it's what a special talent, right? I mean, just the right. way he fought for that ball, and a lot of it. He's obviously very talented, but Moss is more talented. Calvin's more talented. You know, I mean, I remember like when Larry was getting drafted. He's, you know, I talked to him a lot, and the reason we, I became buddies with him was because. Like when all, all the coaches would go into coaches' meetings and watch tape, and the defense would be in all together or whatever, he'd come sit with me and we'd watch recruiting tape. And he'd be like, dude, don't recruit that guy. Or, ooh, who's that? You know, because he didn't want to go back to the dorms. He wasn't going out partying. He just wanted to do football all the time. So we sat there and watched high school kids. And I remember when he was getting drafted, I talked to him, and he's like, the thing I need to work on the most when I get, get to the league is my after the catch ability. And he really did. You know, I mean, at Pitt, he was kind of a go up and get it, get tackled type of guy. And he had some nice runs, but they were, against, you know, I mean, they weren't against NFL players. And now he's become a great after-the-catch player, and that's a self-made thing. It's just a lot of work. Yeah. And, and I think his time with his dad being, you know, a, a reporter in Minnesota and really close with Denny Green, and he, he saw these guys be pros. When he was 13, he knew what it was to be a pro when he was 13, 14 years old. And Derek Carr says the same thing. You know, he was 13 years old when his brother got drafted. Yeah, Larry was like the most professional guy in our pit locker room when he got there as an 18-year-old. Yeah, and and anything you say the same about Derek Carr, these guys learned how to be, and this is their job, this is their profession, so they got to jump on their profession at so young, and and I think it helps those type of guys. Yeah, and people are saying the same thing about T.J. Watt here in Pittsburgh. You know, I mean, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. Let's um, let's close out the show on the Falcons. I'm giving them a hell of a lot of credit. This we all know the Super Bowl hangover is real. We saw it last year when the Panthers went from 15 and one to six and ten after losing the Super Bowl. If anybody was due for a Super Bowl hangover, it was the Atlanta Falcons after what they went through in that Super Bowl. But they're 3-0, and and it seems like they're avoiding it. And I give Dan Quinn a lot of credit, and he never – I mean, we're hearing him talk about how to deal with this in February. He met it head on. He didn't try to go, oh, you know, we're, we're over it. He had he brought people in who, who suffered similar losses, and I think – it's really paying off for them now. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's hard to comment on those things, you know, what goes on behind the scenes. But, I mean, they're playing really well. And if the Super Bowl is still on their mind, they're using it as motivation and they're not sulking about it. Or, you know, I mean, um, these past two games have been highly impressive. They almost lost the Bears. I mean, but week one's weird. And in Chicago, I mean, I'll kind of give them a pass there. The defense is fast, and the defense is good. Um, are they the best team in the league right now? I, I was going to say, I, on my Locked on NFL podcast, I'm going to do a power ranks today. Who would you put one? Kansas City? New England? Um, I'm a real big believer in undefeated and, and Kansas City yeah. beat New England. And I don't know. I, I kind of like 
I think Kansas City's been the most impressive team in the league this year. I think they have the most impressive wins, for sure. Yeah. 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 yeah they're going to be one for me, Atlanta's two, and New England's three. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, – yeah, and I don't think I don't think the Falcons and the, or the Chiefs are going to go away at all either. No, I don't either. I, I think they have a pretty good formula. Kareem Hunt's better than I thought he would be. That offense has now three really strong weapons, and you can't take them all away. Defense, Justin Houston's healthy. I think that's huge, too. You know, the defense is pretty good. If you remember, last year the last three undefeated teams were the Broncos, Vikings, and Eagles, and none of them made the playoffs. So this is no no guarantee, this quick start, but I just like the way these teams are. Are built, and they're both playoff teams last year, and so they're not quote flukes, you know. Yeah, they're not come from nowhere type teams. I mean, right, if Jacksonville right. was three and zero, would be like, well, I don't know if I buy it. Yeah, exactly. All right, Matt. Hey, great show, good stuff. We reminisced a little bit. We went all the way back to the seventies and then the the late nineties. <laughs> what a show! Ben Anderson I mean, and Larry Fitzgerald as a sixteen year old. Yeah, I, I don't know <laughs> what else we can give you, folks. Uh, it's a total package. Right. So, cool. Hey, great. We'll talk after week four. Are you expecting a more sanity in week four? I hope we find answers. I mean, I th- I hope things kind of come back to they are who we thought they were. You know, go back to Dennis Green here, you know, a little bit of Larry right. action. That's, right. You know, Pittsburgh beats Baltimore and Oakland win. You know, like the good teams look like good teams. Yeah. And – I mean, after four weeks, it's a pretty good barometer, isn't it? You know, it's the quarter poll. Yeah. We'll see. Hey, Matt, great show. Thanks, everybody, for listening to No Relation NFL Podcast with Matt and Bill Williamson. We'll talk to you next Tuesday. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.